You are listening to the You Are Lawyer podcast. I'm Kyla Donano, a 2015 law school graduate. This episode is brought to you by me. <laughs> Seriously, I'm selling merchandise at shopyouarealawyer.com. That's where you can find coffee mugs, sweatshirts, long sleeve and short sleeve t-shirts, where you can advertise that you are a lawyer, or you can simply support the podcast by purchasing some merch. So support your favorite lawyer's favorite podcaster and visit shopyouarealawyer.com to support the You Are a Lawyer podcast. In episode 51, I am speaking with a career advocate and lawyer. This guest uses their experiences as a first-generation lawyer to help new lawyers get comfortable in the legal profession. Based in Durham, North Carolina, today's guest is Krista Contino Zombie. So Krista, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I am excited to have you. Would you share a little bit about yourself with the audience? Well, I was born in Denver. Okay. (laughs) No, um, (laughs) it is true. I have lived all over the United States in the continental United States, 10 states so far. I'm trying to diminish the amount of moving that I do. Okay. But I have, I graduated in law school in 2007. So Mm -hmm. I've been a lawyer for a little bit. Because of the moves, I have passed three state bar exams now. Okay. Regrets, I've had a few. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a that's a very abbreviated explanation, and I will I will pull some information out of you. <laughs> so, true story. One of the questions I have listed is, "Where are you from?" Because you went to undergrad at the University of Buffalo, and then you went to Carnegie Mellon, where you got an electrical and computer engineering degree, and then University of Pittsburgh for law school. So that is a little bit of jumping around. What made you study mathematics in undergrad? So I, I do put the, the SUNY Buffalo on there. It was actually middle school and, and high school classes that I was taking. Okay. It was a special program and I feel like a nerd saying this, but since I am one, I guess it's Mm -hmm. the cats out of the bag. It was just mathematics courses for kids that passed a test. In sixth grade and then seventh through 12th, we took college level courses. So in like sixth grade, you'd take algebra, but you also took propositional calculus. So I'd get credits every year while I was taking the regular courses too. I don't know why they did it that way. Yeah. But it's, it meant that I got to graduate Carnegie Mellon early with my undergraduate degree, which was great because it's expensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so I don't have a master's okay okay uh but but yeah I enjoyed being super nerdy and then not having to take all those math classes again so that's Mm -hmm. good do you remember what that's like taking those kind of advanced courses in the seventh grade well for a little while I had a teacher that was one of the teachers there because teachers always need to make more money so Mm -hmm. it was a side gig for him okay and he would take two of us to the class right after school and then once we hit high school, we went at night. So taking math classes until nine o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. And my dad and I would listen to the history of jazz on the way to and from school, which was fairly entertaining. But it was odd because in seventh grade, I remember my parents were having a football party because Mm -hmm. I was living in Buffalo and that's required. And I asked for help on my homework and they all just kind of laughed in my face Yeah, because now they said, we never did this. We have no idea what this is. Okay. Okay. So I remember that. I remember it being 
when we started about a third girls, two thirds boys. And by the end, the class was, I think, three girls and 20 boys. Wow. It prepared me for electrical engineering. Yeah, I'm sure. My brain is swimming, right? Because lawyers always say they didn't become doctors because they don't like numbers and you love numbers and you still were like, ah, and I enjoy engineering, but I want to go to law school. (laughs) How did you become interested in law school? Well, entertainingly, so my grandfather was the opposite kind of lawyer that I ended up practicing. I was very close to him, but he was kind of the Atticus Finch wrote a will in trade for maple syrup kind of lawyer. Okay. Okay. And when I started engineering on my first day of school, I called him and his first question was, so are you going to be a patent attorney? Hmm. Well, I didn't know what that was, but also my response was no way am I going to be an attorney? Yeah. I, he was always right. It's very annoying, (laughs) but I went out, I tried to be an engineer. I didn't much like it just because I didn't find it as interesting. I was working in a factory for a while as an engineer and found OSHA more interesting. Okay. I cared more about the people that I was managing than the technical questions that I ran into. So when I moved back to Pittsburgh, I was running a consulting company doing marketing and technical writing. I have a minor in that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe this law school thing will be okay. So I, on a whim, took the LSATs mm-hmm. and they went okay. And I got a pretty good scholarship from Pitt. Okay. So I was like, well, I will be a patent attorney because I found out they made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised to hear that you did so well on the LSAT. You were already a full engineer. <laughs> I'm so I did I'm not, not take any of the state required. Like I wasn't licensed as an engineer in any state. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure it's, it sounds like it's down a rung from where I'm thinking engineers are, but it still is fancy. Um, <laughs> so your grandfather, did he ever tell you, I mean, before then that you would become an attorney or do you think looking up to him and being so close to him, you probably had in the back of your mind. I want to be like him. I don't think so. I Mm -hmm. did do mock trial when I was in high school for about two seconds. Okay. And I did work with him on one of the things that turned out that he was way too formal because, you know, he had a few years on me. So when he helped me draft my first opening statement, we had to completely redo it because it was too formal for the judges. Really? Mm-hmm. He the was very- for maple syrup guy. <laughs> well, okay. he also appeared in probate court and did volunteer work for a lot of the folks who had trusts, like kids that didn't have any representation. Yeah. He's a little bit of a softy. Okay. All right. Yeah. So he just, you know, he was very focused on looking out for folks who didn't have the rights that other folks did. Okay. Fairness bothered him if it wasn't met. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have that problem myself. Yeah, I have that too. Um, I'm always <laughs> like sticking up for the little guy, which I never realized. Honestly, I never realized that that was advocating until I was in law school. And I was like, I've been doing this forever, but I would not have called it advocating, right? I was just trying to be fair. Exactly. Um, you know, you're, you didn't ever grow out of the phase where you stamp your foot and go, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not which, on my watch. We're not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So I ended up going to law school. I was married at the time and well, I got married while I was in law school and my husband was getting his PhD in nuclear physics. 
And then I ended up getting into patent law, worked for the, depending on what year, ranked number one at the time, IP law firm. Okay. And did prosecution, which means I wrote patents and and argued before the patent office. And then I did some litigation stuff and most lawyers know what that is. Yeah. Ended up moving around a little bit uh, and then got an offer to clerk for the federal circuit, which was astounding because Mm -hmm. it was a mentor of mine who got appointed and then asked me and I had not applied. So that was amazing. Yeah. And then I went back into private practice and got sick. Uh, my doctor told me that if I kept up the hours of litigation, that he would no longer be my doctor Mm. because my health was such that it wouldn't be able to withstand it. And I think we all have seen or heard through the rumor mill of attorneys actually destroying their health to a point of no return. Mm -hmm. So I just said, okay, well, I can't do this litigation, even though I find it more interesting. And then I went into the patent office for a while because I was like, well, work-life balance. Yeah. It was not the most intellectually stimulating work. Uh, Yeah. And so I went back to private practice, just doing patent prosecution again, and did my own podcast at the same time about patent law. Okay. Less strenuous, but still doing more than one thing because you're a lawyer and we do that. It's required. It's required. And also I liked keeping abreast of all the changes in the law, which when you're at a smaller firm, you don't have somebody randomly assigned to give you the daily briefs on each case Mm -hmm. and how it might affect your clients. You have to kind of do a little bit of that yourself, no matter what the blogs are out there, you kind of still want your own opinion. Yeah. But, um, then I started, and I, I think you've had this happen with quite a few of your guests. I talked to a career coach because I was like, oh, I should make partner, da, 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 da. And she said, after a few meetings, you don't want to. Hmm. Why are you shooting? You have no reason to. My goal was to make sure that all my cousins could go to college. Okay. The last one, he's just finishing his junior year right now. So oh. good on him. He's going to be an accountant. So he says, <laughs> and she and I talked a whole bunch. And so I started working on a company that I have called the law bridge. Yeah which is focused on helping first-generation attorneys figure out general professional skills, but also the legal profession and how to navigate that as someone who doesn't necessarily fit in with with the stereotypical cookie-cutter associate. Okay. So yeah, so I've been doing that. I have also been lucky enough to get to work as Director of Career Services going to be starting up at Elon Law. By the time this gets out, I will be working there. So that'll be good. And I really just love working with younger students. A lot of that is because I did a lot of work with the Hispanic National Bar Association since I was a first-year attorney myself. Mm -hmm. It's just a joy and really fun and a privilege to work with folks who are going to be doing all sorts of different things in the law and really making a difference. My last position was JD Advantage. So that's actually more what this entire podcast is about of all the different things you can do with a law degree besides being in a courtroom. Uh And it was really great to get to broaden folks' minds and say, okay, you're learning a set of skills. Those skills can be transferable to all sorts of things. Yeah. What do you think will make you be able to get out of bed every day? Uh (laughs) Pay those loans back. 
if you have to, hopefully in some situations, they'll be forgiven. And then just, you know, be a happier person because folks who are fulfilled can contribute more to society as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of different things there. Yeah. Um, are you feeling better now? Like your health, your, your mental wellness, do you still have that doctor? I don't because I moved. I was in DC okay. when I, when I talked to him, he, he, he's very busy. I was very lucky to have him for a doctor, Okay. but I am doing a lot better. I had a couple surgeries and I've also just been fortunate in that I've learned how to manage a lot of it. It's just autoimmune disorder. And so I get sick very easily, which is annoying. Yeah. I've had a sinus infection for five weeks now. Oh no. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't recommend. Yeah. So this is one of those recordings where I, like, I wish we were doing video because you were like, and then I got sick and I'm like, oh, okay. Sick of practicing. And you're like, no, like sick. And I was like, oh no. Like my expression, I was like, wait, what? Um, okay. If you want to so turn on the, the video, I, I can do that. I just look a, a mess. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I have a two-year-old running around in the background. You don't want to see it over here. Oh, I totally um, do, but that's okay. I understand. Okay. So I'm glad you're doing better. And Thank you. Then, so you mentioned you got into patent litigation because the money was good. Yep. You just started looking up jobs and you were like, wow, patent law. If I took this bar, it would, you know, the salaries are starting at this range. That looks great. Was it that simple? It was something like that. It was, so he was getting his PhD and he wanted to teach. He was getting his degree from Carnegie Mellon for his graduate degree. It is not a teaching school. Mm. It is a research institution. Okay. There are some wonderful professors there. My experience was that was not the majority. Mm-hmm. And many had no interest in teaching. Okay. That was the opposite of my husband. I should point out, I keep on talking in past tense. He did pass away. Okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. He's a very sweet man. But the plan was for him to teach. And so I was like, well, somebody has to stay home with the kids too, because we're Mm -hmm. hoping to have kids. And so if I make lots of money, then we can not worry about a whole bunch of things. And I come from a background where, although my, you know, many people are like, oh, well, your grandfather was an attorney, lots of money, not so much with the maple syrup. Mm -hmm. And mom and dad lost everything when the market crashed and my mom's entire department got shut down when she was working. So we were zero cash. It was very stressful. And from that moment, I was like, I am always going to have a job that is stable and brings in money. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is not something I recommend to most people because- But also you were in a really unique position. I mean, you can't even take the patent bar without having an engineering degree. So for you to be like, okay, I'm at a crossroads. We need to make a lot of money. What can I do? Oh, ta-da. I have this highly technical (laughs) specific degree that worked out really well. Yeah. And it was just at a time where there were some really interesting things going on when my, I majored in electrical engineering and my focus was on telecommunications. Mm-hmm. And that was about the time there was these things called iPhones and Android mm-hmm. coming out. Okay. So it was really fun. I got to work on Android patents. I got to work on the iPad patents. Nice. I got to know about stuff before it came out. Cause that's kind of how patent law works. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the e-commerce space. Um, with trademarks and copyrights. So yeah, see yours is actually much harder to get into than mine. (laughs) Yeah, but it's a really fun field. I mean, it's, it's very dynamic, you know, every day is completely different, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. 
Yeah. Okay, cool. So what is happening with Elon Law? Are you just going to be teaching? I will be working in their career services department along with teaching a professionalism course. Okay. And will that be in person? Is it all virtual or? It's mostly in person. We're talking about doing some things virtually, but it does look like I'm going to have to move again. I'm in Durham right now, so I'll probably have to move a whole hour away, which is compared to most of my moves, just so much better. I don't even have to change my driver's license. It's a wonderful thing. I got the North Carolina bar. I passed in 2021. And because, (laughs) because I will just say that I graduated undergrad with a one at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a lot of driver's licenses to track down. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, And I didn't realize you were still becoming licensed even up until last year. That's phenomenal. I was licensed in 2007 in Minnesota. Yes, I saw. So Minnesota, North Carolina, the patent bar and California. Yes. So what's the story with California? <laughs> what were you doing out there? So if we you don't mind. Mo- so no, no, it's totally fine. So we had moved to Minnesota because that is where my husband was from. Okay. And then it looked like there was going to be something going on with Caltech. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy comparatively for an electrical engineering patent attorney to find and move to California compared to say PhD, postdoc, all that nonsense. And then it fell through so that I was in LA without him, Mm. which was a little odd. Yeah. Uh, And while I was there, they said, oh, okay, well, now you're going to take the California bar because in California, you'd only have that option. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to write a book about your life, right? Like there's, <laughs> this is, so, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, literally mapping You it said in that my because head. everybody's like, you should write a book. I'm like, I don't find it interesting. I lived it. It's boring. Listen, it's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I'll even get you started with the notes that I wrote for this interview. Because I'm like, you meet in Pittsburgh and then you move to Minnesota and then you want to go to California, but you go first and then he doesn't come because, and it's amazing like if I didn't realize where you were now because you're talking to me now in North Carolina I'd be like so what happened next like I'm on the edge of my seat and I know the story um do you do you know what happens next I have no idea but I know somewhere (laughs) between California and North Carolina something happened there so um you founded the law bridge Mm -hmm. And LawBridge is focused on the first years of an attorney's career by helping first-generation students navigate the legal profession. And you mentioned a little bit about, I think you said you wanted all your nephews or nieces to get through school. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I did a job that paid a lot of money Mm -hmm. and because I have 17 younger cousins. Okay. I'm the oldest of all of us. Mm -hmm. I had a couple cousins who, you know, they were going to go to really good schools, but you know, I also didn't want them taking out the loans because I did that. It's ridiculous. I have the money. Yeah. So I was able to do that for them. Okay. So you literally started mentoring and helping them and you were like, wow, can I do this with other people? Yeah. I just, I've always been doing this. I think uh, when the 2008, 2009 crash happened and Mm -hmm. you know, first and second year attorneys were just bleeding out of law firms. And unsurprisingly, it was the diverse attorneys who tended to be going. But I think it was 112 resumes that I did that year for different people. Wow. 
because I just sat there and I went, I know this panic of being so scared and wanting your career to move forward. And so from that moment, it was just, this was what I liked doing. I mean, I sat in BizCom at 8 a.m. And before the professor would show up, I'd be rattling off thank you notes for other people so that they could send them in. So yeah, this is what you should be doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, it just took a few years. Yeah. Okay. And so through LawBridge, you help attorneys with resume rewrites, interviewing, cover letters, all of those types of things. So do you consider this a, like a teaching position? Well, more of what I do with LawBridge is professionalism courses. And okay. that's more, you know, I, I can do resumes and cover letters, things like that. And I do that as a career services professional, but with the law bridge, it's more focused on how to make sure someone can go into the legal field and not trip over what I call the invisible furniture in the room. Okay. Which, you know, every place has its own culture. Every place is going to feel foreign if you're not used to it. I talk about making sure that you have a board of directors rather than a mentor. Mm -hmm. The difference between a sponsor and a coach and a mentor, how to handle in a lot of cases, microaggressions. Yeah. So that it doesn't just consume you because I, I actually just saw a really good LinkedIn post about it. And I thought it was fantastic that microaggressions are only microaggressions for the aggressor. Mm. True. They don't they feel, feel micro force. when they're happening to you. Yeah. They're just full force aggression to the person receiving it. Yeah. Yes. And so how to handle that in a way and just always focusing on making sure that your reputation and your self-worth are in a good balance. Because at the end of the day, I had an amazing example of what an attorney should be. Mm -hmm. And I want everybody who intends to, to be that way, Mr. Smith goes to Washington kind of person. If that's who you want to be, and I think a lot of attorneys do want to be that person, I want to help you stay that way and be yeah. true to yourself. Yeah, I love that. I so um, just wrap it up here, unless you had some more questions for me. Is there anything that you would say to anyone listening in the audience about what they can do with their law degree, the various careers that they'll have after law school? There are so many careers. There are so <laughs> many careers. I mean, you can go into policy, you can go into privacy, you can go into legal operations. There's just so many HR and there's I think NALP and the ABA have identified 15 different distinct career paths wow. that don't include passing a bar. Yeah. If you aren't sure what you want to do, there are many options out there. Now I will say, take the bar anyway. Okay. Take it anyway. You've paid a lot of money to be able to pass a bar exam. And as somebody who took a bar exam, <laughs> 15 years almost after going to law school, mm -hmm. please just take it now. Yeah. Barbary is great, but even Barbary couldn't help me so much as like, I lost a lot of sanity. I have more gray hair. Yeah. So it's that kind of a test, but no, that's a, that's a great point. Just take it and get it over with. You can still do anything being a bard attorney, right? Being yeah. a licensed attorney. Um, but once you have it, Yeah. Yeah, okay. no one can take it away. And uh, the other part of it is that you probably will get paid more okay. no matter what you're doing because you can say, I'm an attorney. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Also, never feel bad if you didn't pass something in a bar exam or the MPRE or anything like that. There are brilliant people 
judges and professors and all sorts of folks who didn't pass the first round or sometimes even the second. Okay. And podcasters like me. (laughs) So, well, thank you so much, Krista. I really appreciate this. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It's a (laughs) pleasure talking to you. And I would like to be friends now if we could. Of course. Well, thank you. You have a good night. You too. Take it easy. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a rating, tell a friend about this episode and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss a new episode. Episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'll see you in two weeks. This is You Are Lawyer. Bye.